You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you, Veronica, for sharing that song with us this morning. Uh, what a great message in that song. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. But thank God for God's amazing grace and forgiveness. I want to preach to you this morning about the cure for the pandemic. The cure for the pandemic. There's a global pandemic today, one that is much greater than COVID-19, greater than the epidemics of tuberculosis or malaria. The, the, the pandemic that we really need a cure for today is that the disease of sin. Sin within the heart of all men. The symptoms of this disease can be seen far and wide. Hate, murder, racism, division, sorrow, loneliness. Everyone has been infected with this disease of sin without exception. See, this is the analogy that Jesus uses in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 30. He says, uh, that the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician. In other words, th those that are well, those that are healthy, have no need of a physician. He says, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he uses this analogy to help teach us and something we can understand how that sin is like a spiritual disease in the heart of man that affects us in, on every level. So the bad news, we are sick. The good news is there's a cure. There's a cure. What a blessing. Amen. Uh, there is a prescription from the great physician today. There's an antidote. What you must do uh, to be healed, we can find in the scripture. And you may ask the question, okay, if I am sick, what must I do to be healed? And I am glad that you asked because I want to tell you, number one, you need to recognize your sickness. Recognize your sickness. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means to miss the mark, to miss the target, coming short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All have sinned. All right? So recognize your sickness. Consider sin's cause. Consider the source. In other words, why are we sick? Why do we have a sin problem? Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So the Bible teaches us that we were sinners at birth, and then as we go through life, we become sinners by choice. Just think about it for a moment. Have you ever put anything or anyone before God? If so, that's idolatry. Have you ever told a lie? You know what that makes you? A liar. Have you ever hated someone? The Bible says in 1 John 3, 15, that to hate someone in your heart is to be a murderer. 
Jesus said that if a man look on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already in his heart. See, sin is a matter of the heart, even without the physical act. It is inescapable. We are all sick. So also consider sin's curse. Not only sin's cause, but sin's curse. Sin is the cause for the woes of mankind. When sin entered the world, so did death. So did disease. So did despair. Oh, the pain that sin has caused, the abuse, the self-destruction and the degradation, the broken homes and broken lives, hurt children who grow up to adulthood hating themselves and hurting others. It's no wonder that God despises sin when He sees what it does to mankind. It's robbing those whom He loves uh, of, of so much of the life, the love, the meaningful relationships that He intends for us to have. That's what sin does. It robs people of hope. Every day, 132 Americans commit suicide. Please listen to me today. Do not be among this number. See, sin robs people of hope. Maybe you've sinned today. You think there's no way out. You think that, 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 that suicide is, is a better choice than living or dealing with the consequences. I promise you, it's not. There is hope. There is forgiveness today. Your life counts. But it's sin that brings about that feeling and that thought of hopelessness. Sin is like a disease eating away at its host infecting others and isolating them from the true purpose and fulfillment that God would have for them. And we also see sin's condemnation. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, the, the payment, what we earn from our sin is death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Sin's condemnation. Sin has a penalty. And that penalty is death and a place called hell, a fiery hell. This fiery hell, mind you, was created for the devil and his angels, according to Jesus Christ, not for you. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's good news. All have sinned is bad news. The good news is God's will is for all to be saved. However, if people refuse to come to the physician, amen, if you refuse to come for a cure, my friend, there's no other option. So the sin's condemnation. Do you recognize today that you're a sinner? Have you sinned? The Bible says in Luke 5.31, going back to our text, they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick. So in other words, Jesus isn't saying that there's some that aren't sinners. What he's just simply saying is, is that we cannot be healed. We cannot get help if we're not willing to come to him and to admit that we are sinners, that we have the sickness, if you will, of sin. And so not only this morning do you need to recognize your sickness, number two, you need to realize there is a cure. 
Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. <laughs> See, uh, the, the, the cure, realize there's a cure. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that was upon him. Folks, that's talking about the cross. That's talking about for God so loved the world. He loved you and I so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what this message is. He was bruised and with his stripes we are healed. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. See, now religion and society offer treatment. But I tell you, it's insufficient treatment. Just like in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 14, God says, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. But I tell you today, you don't have to settle for an insufficient treatment. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to settle for a slight improvement to your life and to your home, to your family. I'm telling you, you can be healed, amen? Jesus, uh, listen, he paid, the, he paid the ultimate price so that you and I can be saved. Do not settle for just treatment when you can be cured, uh, when you can be saved. Don't settle for treatment. Do you recognize your condition today? Do you realize that there's a cure? Can you admit that you're a sinner? Can you admit and acknowledge and realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Then if you recognize that you're a sinner and you realize there's a cure, the next, the next part is this. Go to the doctor. <laughs> now, how many of you... Uh, are, are like me, uh, but you don't want to go to the doctor. A lot of people don't want to go to the doctor, and I understand that. But the doctor I'm trying to get, get you to go to isn't just a normal doctor. He's the great physician, amen. He's the one that died on the cross. He's the one that rose again that we might be healed, that we might be saved, all right? Uh, go, go to the doctor. Now, what's the biblical term? What's the New Testament term for going to the doctor? Well, we find it in Luke 5.32, back in our text verse. He says, I've come to call sinners to repentance, which simply means a change of mind. In Luke 8, the Bible tells us of a woman who had been sick for 12 long years. In verse 43, she had spent all her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any. I'm sure she was helped along the way by these physicians, but this woman in Luke 8 was not healed. She, she, many physicians, she spent all she had. See, but uh, when she heard about Jesus... She heard about this one that was not like any other physician that she had ever uh, known or even heard of. She heard about the God-man, the one that, that loved, the one that could save, the one that could make a difference. And when she heard this, she changed her mind about pursuing those other physicians. She changed the course that she had been on as a result. And the Bible says she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. Immediately, 
immediately she was healed. I love that. Immediately she was healed. See, the thing about salvation, folks, is I'm not trying to preach to you a message today telling you you need to get better so that you can be accepted by God. Not by any means. We just need to admit our sinfulness before God. He makes a change on the inside of us, and His goodness works from the inside out in our lives. And so this woman, she just come to him and said, I need help. And folks, immediately she was saved. Immediately she was healed. I'm so glad for the day that I called on him. You want to know how long it took me to get saved? Immediately, amen. God made a change in my life. Did I become a perfect person? Absolutely not. And if you know me, then I don't even have to try to explain that to you. But I'll tell you one thing, I did become a child of God, amen. I became forgiven. I became healed, amen. Uh, why? because faith in him, because what he did immediately. Now, call, to call sinners to repentance, Jesus said. Repentance is not a work for salvation. It's not becoming good enough. Repentance does not mean that a person never sins again. It is a change of mind. Perhaps you were, going, uh, perhaps you were not going to listen to me today. However, you repented of that. In other words, you changed your mind. Now, how do I know you changed your mind? Because you're listening right now. And hopefully you still, you'll keep listening, amen? But you're listening right now. What's that mean? You changed your mind. Therefore, it changed your actions. But it's just simply a change of mind that changes this woman. She had a, repent, a repentance. I'm not going after those physicians anymore. I'm turning. I, my mind says, this man is the one I need to go to. He's the one I need to trust. Therefore, what does she do? She pressed through and touched the hem of his garment. Uh, and so, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but before I was saved, listen to me, before I was saved, I too was looking for treatment. I was trying to get some help. I looked to religion enough to pray, especially when I was in trouble. Anybody? Uh, uh, I, I looked to drugs. Personally, I looked to drugs for joy. I looked to partying for acceptance. But oh, happy day when I heard this glorious message of hope. I had a change of mind when I had spent all that I had. Like this woman, the Bible says she spent all that she had. Folks, sin is costly. One reason some people don't like going to the doctor is because it costs so much. Folks, let me tell you something. It was costly to continue in sin. It was costly. She spent all she had. But not only did I, did I realize that it was costly, I realized that I was nothing better but rather grew worse. Nothing better, but rather grew worse. People get so deep in religion, and they just try to get deeper and deeper. But I'm telling you, all they do a lot of times is just get more pharisaical, and they get more proud, and they, they look down on other people. Folks, that is not the help that you need, and you know it's not. You need something down deep inside. You need the righteousness of Christ, not your own self-righteousness. I think about this today. Man, you know, you know an industry that is not hurting throughout this uh, coronavirus, the pandemic that we're experiencing, uh, the beer and the alcohol, the liquor, that business isn't hurting. And I'm telling you, perhaps there are some of you today that that's where you're looking. You need some help, man. You, you're just kind of missing something. You need something to get you through. But I'm telling you, you look to the bottle. But what's at the bottom of that bottle every single time? Nothing. It always comes up empty. It always comes up dry. And it's just going to keep coming up dry. 
You can try something stronger. You can try drinking more. But I'm telling you, all it does is just bring more destruction to your life. Folks, alcohol, drugs, religion, none of that stuff is going to fix you. But Jesus can, amen? You say, I've tried religion. No, you're not listening to me. I'm not trying to encourage you to try religion today. I'm trying to get you to go to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? He's the Savior. He's the physician this morning. So what happened? You, we, we change our mind. And so uh, when I got saved, I changed my mind. I repented because I believed the gospel from my heart, realizing that Jesus was the answer. And I just want to lift up my hands to heaven this morning and say, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for the day that he saved my soul and changed my life. Amen. Uh, now listen, he's still working on me because there's a lot to work on, but he's still working on me. But he saved my soul. I mean, and, and, and when I realized that Jesus was the answer, this was all a part of a life-altering, soul-saving confession. A life-altering, soul-saving confession. You can be healed. I tell you that on the authority of God's Word today. God says you can be healed. You can be forgiven. No matter what you may have done, you can be forgiven today. You can be saved. If you are willing to confess. Now, what is confession? Listen to me closely here, because you may be sitting there thinking, oh, I, I, I'm okay confessing. Uh, many people don't understand what confessing is, and quite honestly, within religious circles, confession has gotten so uh, far apart, and it, it, the, the, the modern-day confession of many religions, and even saved people, is, is really foreign to the concept of what God teaches about confession. And I just want to show you uh, this this morning, the importance of confession, See, Proverbs 28, verse 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso, so anyone who's willing that's, that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. How can we be healed? We've got to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sick. I'm a sinner. But not just admit it. Jesus says that we must confess and forsake. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, so, so how do we, what is true confession? True confession actually means, you can look the word up, it literally means uh, much more than simply admitting the word confess actually means to say the same thing about. To confess sin then means to say the same thing about sin that God says about sin. To say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. To agree with God about your sin. Somebody said it this way, to take sides with God against your sin. See, confession is not praying a lovely prayer, or making pious excuses. It's not, if we have sinned, please forgive us. No, confession is not praying a lovely prayer. A true confession is naming sin, calling it what God calls it, envy, 
hatred, lust, deceit. Lord, I have, uh, I have lusted. I have, and not just I have sinned, but what have you done specifically? Name it. God, forgive me of my sin, of allowing myself to be overcome with worry because I've not put my faith and trust in you. Whatever it may be, confess it. Forgive me of my stinking pride. I mean, call it what God calls it. That's what true confession really is. Being honest. Being honest with ourselves. And more importantly, being honest with God today. And if others are involved, being, uh, being honest with other people. We may need to get something right with somebody else in our lives. Be honest with them. It's more than admitting sin. It means judging sin. It means squarely facing sin. When we confess our sin, God promises us to forgive us of our sins. We have it right there, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we need to understand something today. God's promise for forgiveness is not some magic rabbit's foot that makes it easy for us to disobey God. Someone says, I went out and sinned because I knew I could come back and ask God to forgive me. God's such a gracious God, I went out and sinned because I knew He'd forgive me. Has anybody ever done that? I tell you, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I might as well just be honest. I'm a man just like you are. And I can remember one time, especially when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I knew that I was going about, about to go out and do something wrong. And, and I was saved. I was a Christian. And before I, I actually prayed and asked God to forgive me before I went out. That doesn't work too well, does it? That's not true forgiveness. Uh, we don't get indulgences, amen. That's not a scriptural principle. Uh, I, I'm not serious. I'm not being sincere when I pray like that. Now, somebody says, well, I'm going to go out and sin because God's going to forgive me anyway. But think about this for a second. On what basis can God forgive you? Well, it's on the basis of He's faithful and just. See, those two words should keep you and I out of sin. See, that's, where the, that's why Paul said, should we, you know, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So if you've sinned this much, God's grace goes this far. If you've gone this far, God's grace goes any further. And then somebody says, well, man, I'll just keep sinning so I can get more grace. But Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace should abound? He says, God forbid. No, absolutely not. We should not. Faithful and just should keep us out of sin. Why? What is the cost exactly? of that forgiveness. How exactly are you going to get forgiven of your sins? Oh, God just waves His hand over and says, okay, you're forgiven. Well, there's something that comes before that. Remember this. The cost is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the cross. That's what your sin cost, okay? That's what forgiveness cost. It's not cheap. It's not just, oh yeah, Lord, forgive me, blah, 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 don't matter. Really? I mean, we just came through, uh, you know, Resurrection Sunday and all that, thinking about the crucifixion of Christ, all afresh and anew. Folks, that's sin. That's the cost of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not some cheap sideshow trick that God performs. Forgiveness is very costly. See, David prayed this in Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. We, be, we began this message talking about this sickness of sin. It's in the heart. But God, David prayed, create in me a clean heart. 
See, when our confession is, is sincere, God does a cleansing work in our hearts by His Spirit and through His Word. See, the great mistake, however, that King David made was in trying to cover his sins instead of confessing them. For, for close to a year, we assume, he lived in deceit and defeat. If you're living in deceit, you're living in defeat. The two go together. Why? He sinned. He committed adultery. He was behind a man's murder. He sinned, but he tried to cover it up. He tried to hide it. He thought nobody would find out. Now, at this point, we must discuss an extremely important factor in our experience of this victory of being healed, and that is this, honesty. We must be honest with ourselves, honest with others, honest with God. In 1 John chapter 1, it describes a believer who is living a dishonest life. Now you listen closely to me because this is something that we will all find ourselves doing from time to time. We've got to check ourselves, amen? I say from time to time around here, we've got to check and check ourselves, amen, before we wreck ourselves because we, we have a tendency. We, have a, uh, we, we do have a sinful nature. And we can, we can sin and then try to justify our sins. And 1 John describes a believer like that. He describes this believer that's living dishonestly. He describes this believer that's being phony. I've been there. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been playing a role, acting a part? Right? I mean, you're in church long enough, you learn the language, you learn the lingo, you carry your Bible in, and oh, brother this, and sister that, and praise the Lord, and whatever else. We, we, we learn how to play the part. But we've been deceiving ourselves. We're not being honest with ourselves. We're robbing ourselves. Not being dishonest with yourself, you're not, you say, I'm not hurting anybody. Number one, you are hurting other people, but you're hurting yourself greatly. See, being dishonest, being insincere. Man, listen, God does not want you playing a role. He wants you to confess your sins because He wants you and I to live a life, not play a role. See, when a person uses up all their energy pretending, you don't have any energy left for living. Life becomes shallow, it becomes tasteless, and you wonder what's wrong. Maybe it's the, 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 what you need to do is come clean with God. I'm telling you, it is so easy to drift into sin and to justify and cover that sin. You say, oh, I'm not in sin, Pastor. I'm not out living some wicked life and doing the things, all the things I used to do. No, but I'm telling you, sin is so deceitful. Are you going against what God said? Are there things God has told you to do that you are not doing? That's sin as well, amen? I mean, the, the fact of sin is inescapable, by the way. Understand that. Uh, there's a reason that we've got to keep clean. There's a reason that we've got to keep our hearts right on a regular basis because we're sinful people, all right? Uh, I'm just as sinful, or if not worse, than any of you out there. Sometimes I think I'm the worst guy ever uh, but because we're all sinners. But we come to God, and He will forgive us, but we've got to come clean, and we've got to be honest. And, uh, and there's a lot of times that we just don't want to be honest. We want to just play a part. Now, history reveals, I, I, in closing, I want to show you this. History reveals some men who confessions did them no good whatsoever. 
And I want to show you these men because I believe that they will serve as a good lesson to you and I because I can identify with these men as well. Number one, uh, there was a man by the name of Pharaoh that confessed. Exodus chapter 9, verse 27. Listen to this prayer, folks. Listen to this confession. I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. What a confession. That sounds great. But when you, when you look a little bit deeper, you find out that these are nothing more than words. God is not impressed with our words. These are impressive words to us, but not to God, because man looks on the outward, man looks on the words, but God looks on the heart. See, like most false confessions, it sounds great till you look at it a little bit deeper. When you study this, what you find out is this was nothing more than a frightened confession. Listen to me closely. Pharaoh feared the plagues of e that God was putting on Egypt, but he did not fear God. So he confessed. But I'm telling you, when things got better and that plague went away, you'll find out when you read further that he went right back to what he was doing before. In other words, the repentance that was born in the storm died in the calm. Now, God will use things like a pandemic. He will use these things to get our attention and bring us to Christ. There's no question about that. But we just got to be sure, are we truly fearing God? I remember years ago, I had a fellow uh, come by my house, a fellow that I used to work with, and, and he uh, he come by and I had been witnessing to him. I was so excited on this Saturday morning because he came by and he said, Jesse, I need to get saved. I need to, know, I need to get my sins forgiven. I'm like, praise God, man. I came in, showed him the Word of God. We sat for a little bit. He called on the Lord, made a confession, uh, come to church the next day, brought his wife and kids. But come to find out there was something behind this. He had gambled away his paycheck on the Friday before one too many times. And one too many times he had come home to his wife and said, I blew my entire paycheck on gambling. So he had a solution. I'll confess to God. I'll get things right. But what was his motive? His motive wasn't sorrow over his sin. See, he had a fear of his wife. He feared for his marriage. And I'm telling you, therefore, it did not last. Because what happened? His wife said, okay, this will be fine then. And what did he do? He just went right back to the same old thing again. It was a frightened confession. Pharaoh confessed. Balaam confessed in Numbers 22, verse 34. Listen to these words. Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Very direct. But here's the thing. When you study Numbers 22, you'll find out that Balaam was on his way to curse the people of God, to go against the people of God. And he says, here he is on his way. I have sinned. But you want to know something? He stayed on that same direction. He did not change course. So what do we have here? A false confession. He admitted his sins, but he did not change his course. See, God just doesn't want you broken over your sin. Listen to me. He just doesn't want you to be broken over your sin, that sin that's destroying you, that's causing so much pain, that's hurting your life, hurting your marriage. He wants you to be broken from your sin. Balaam just continued right on the way he was going. Saul had a half-hearted confession, a fickle confession. 
Saul confessed. He said, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. But you read further in the chapter, and you find out that all he does is just makes excuses. He has sin with an alibi. Some of you know what this is like. Some of you know this from, I mean, you may not even understand it, but it, it, this, this takes place within your relationships, within your marriage as well. You get angry. You blow your top. You, you, you say hurtful things. Well, then you recognize that you've done wrong, and you come back and you confess to your loved ones. I'm so sorry, y'all, that I was angry. But y'all were driving me crazy. You wouldn't stop talking. You wouldn't quit doing this. And, and you can't really blame me because, after all, my mom had a temper like this. Her dad had a temper like this. That's garbage. That's a good theological way to put it. It's trash. Why? Because you're just making excuses. That's not true confession. True confession is true sorrow. It's sincere, and that's not sincere. That's how Saul confessed. I heard about a fellow one time that said, uh, I drink. Why do you drink so much? He said, I drink because my wife nags me. Somebody asked his wife, why do you nag him? She says, well, all he does is drinks all the time. You see? Saul confessed, but it was, it was half-hearted. It was fickle. Achan confessed, but it was a forced confession. In Joshua 7, the Bible says, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord. But when you find the background, he hid it for as long as he could until finally his back was against the wall, Achan. He had no other choice but to confess. And by that time, it was too late. It reminds me, I, I remember years ago, um, uh, for those that are my age perhaps, you may remember an Olympian, a track and field athlete by the name of Marion Jones. I, I, I really like Marion Jones. Uh, and uh, she, was a, she was the first female track and field athlete to win five medals at a single Olympics. Man, she was great. And she just had this, this winning smile and personality. But accusations begin to arise against Marion Jones. Are you? Cheating? Are you taking steroids? And she would get up and she would read, I am not, I have not done this, I don't know what's going on. And she would just deny, deny, deny. Well, finally, she was straight up busted. There was irrefutable truth that she cheated. And then what she, did she do? Over the podium, she weeps and cries and confesses, I'm so sorry, I did do it, and so forth. How sincere is that? I don't question whether or not her heart was broken. But why was she confessing in the first place? She was busted. She was busted, all right? So that's why Achan uh, confessed. It was forced. Um, I mean, th th there's a final and a failed, a hopeless confession made in Matthew 27. Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself. He didn't repent toward God. He repented himself saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. But see, it was too late. He had gone too far. And I'm telling you, he had a hopeless confession. 
See, a lot of times the way people confess sins are like this. I, I heard, heard the story, perhaps you have too, about the two men that were shipwrecked. They were out at sea. They were uh, on a boat. They had, their, their, their supplies had been exhausted. Finally, they said, well, one looked over at the other and said, maybe we should call on God. And boy, the man looked up to heaven and began to pray as they were out uh, just uh, stranded in the ocean. Uh, on this little boat. And he begins to pray, Lord, please, if you'll hear me, God, if you'll save us, God, my drinking days are behind me. Lord, my fornicating days are behind me. Lord, if you'll just please send someone. And before he can get done praying, his buddy says, whoa, hold on, wait, stop praying. I think I see a ship. I think I see a ship. You don't have to say all that. Can I say something here real quick? There's a lot of people that get into hard times. You had a sick child, and you said, God, if, you ever, if you'll just raise this child up, Lord, and you made promises to God. Have you follow, followed through on those promises? Have you forgotten about those promises? Let me tell you something. God hasn't. Maybe you were in battle. Maybe you were in war, and you said, God, if you get me out of this situation, things are going to be different. I promise you, Lord. If you get me out of this uh, legal situation, God, I promise you, and you've forgotten about those. God's not forgotten about those, all right? But I want to close this morning with this, a faithful confession, amen? How, do we, how are we cured from this? We confess, we get it right, we admit to God that we need help, that we need healing. A faithful confession. In Luke 15, there was a man that we know as the prodigal son, he wasted all that God and his father had blessed him with. He went to a far country, and he was partying there until it cost him everything, and he was bankrupt, and he was feeding swine. And as he was there, he, uh, a great, you see, there's, there's a lot of the uh, things about this that are like these other confessions. He was caught. He was in trouble. The difference was the, 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 the repentance came from his heart. Just because you repented in a storm and in a difficult time doesn't mean that it's not sincere. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Don't, just because you repented when you got caught doesn't mean necessarily mean it's not sincere. But the heart is what really matters. What did this man say? He said, I have sinned against heaven. He realized that he had offended God. And in thy sight, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. What did he do? He left the far country and he came home. He changed his mind about this being the place he wanted to be. And he came back home to his father. See, this was genuine, amen? Oh, my friend, what a blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ came to save, came to heal, come to seek and to save that which was lost, come to heal us from the sickness of sin. If you haven't been saved, will you turn to Him today? Will you trust Him today? That's just simply what it means. Quit trusting. Repentance for you is simply this. Quit leaning and trusting in the things you've been leaning on. Turn and trust and lean on Him. Put your faith in Him. Child of God, these words that I said to you today are something we need to know. Because you want to know something? We sin. The Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Listen, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We sin... We've got to confess. We've got to get it right. See, we've got to realize today that sin is an insult. Sin is an affront to a holy God. 
Every sin is another splinter in the cross of Jesus Christ. Sin is open rebellion against a loving God. We must be sorry for what we have done to the heart of God. Your sin is a sin against God. Then you're making a good confession, amen, a sincere confession. What did that young man do? He left the hog pen. He wasn't just broken over his sin. He was broken from his sin. He came to the right place. We're all sick. We recognize that we've got this problem of sin. But where are you going to go? Where are you going to turn? I want to say, turn to the great physician. Amen. John 5 verse 40 says, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Isn't that sad? Jesus spoke that to a group of religious people. And I'm telling you, when you look at the scripture, you'll find out that Jesus was always the most harsh with religious people. Matter of fact, he showed nothing but love, grace, and mercy, and comfort, and friendship to those that were in adultery, and drunkenness, and prostitutes on down the line. He was so kind and, and, and patient with them, but he had very little patience for that religious crowd. Why? Because their pride kept them from coming to God. And I just want to say today that there is a loving Savior. Have you sinned? Are you a sinner? Do you, do you realize that today? Do you recognize that? Do you realize that Jesus Christ paid the price? If so, are you willing to have a change of mind about that, that, that sin? Are you willing to see it for what it is and say, Lord Jesus, I want you instead of that sin? That's repentance. I want you, Lord, to take my life. I want you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. If you're not saved today, Call on Him. He will save you. Right now, He'll save you. Child of God, truth is, you got some sin to confess. Truth is, you need to come clean with God. Truth is, some of your emptiness that you feel inside is because you've been playing a part instead of living a life. You're, you're not being honest with yourself. And I'm telling you, it's robbing you of joy. It's robbing you of peace. Be, I beg you, be honest with yourself and where you stand with God. There's a loving Savior that's just ready to, just to dump a, a pile of glory right on you. Amen. He wants to bless you. But I'm telling you, first, you need to make the choice, amen, to choose Him over your sin. And I, I pray that you'll do that today. If you're not saved, again, call on Him. If you have any questions about this message or anything else that we've preached, please feel free to contact us. Give us a, a message on Facebook. Email me, call me, whatever you may need to do. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, please tune in on, at 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday. We'll be back again, and uh, we'll have other broadcasts in between here and then. Thank you so much. God bless you.